Hallelujah. How many of you know that in life we have our ups and downs? You know, if you were looking at a heart monitor and it's going like this, it's bad. I said, it's bad. You're going to need electric shock or something because it's bad. But how many of you know the heart monitor kind of goes like this? And that's the way life is for us in the Christian faith. We have our ups and downs. There ain't no mountain high enough. There ain't no valley low enough to keep me from getting to you, Lord. Come on, somebody. That'd make a good song, wouldn't it? See, we have mountaintop experiences, and we have valley experiences. And you know, it's easy to praise God when everything is going right. Somebody say amen to that. It's easy to praise God in this assembly here, but walk outside, or when you've just lost your job, or you've just had a failure of some sort, then praise God. Not for the situation, but I mean, trying to, in the situation, praise God. See, that's a little harder. Can I get a witness? See, fear paralyzes us, but faith energizes us. And if you have faith operating in your life, you're going to be like that energizer bunny. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You just keep going and going and going. And someone says, but, but you just had a failure. You, you just had a setback. You keep going and going and going. Because you're energized by your faith. Seeing through the eyes of faith. And see, many times we face situations in life. And see, some people, that they're only moved by what they see. They're only moved by what they feel. They're only moved by what they think and what they know. Helen Keller said this. She's quoted by saying, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight and no vision. Come on, somebody. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people, help me out. Now, what is he talking about? We're going we're gonna to kind of peel the onion this morning, get down on that, talk about what that looks like. We need to understand that for every Christian must be willing to ask God to reveal to them that vision and, and, and their, God's will for their life, not, not what they want. How many of you know sometimes we want things that maybe we shouldn't have? How many of you are parents? Let me see your hands. How many of you know your kids want things they shouldn't have at that time? I think all of my kids wanted a car when they was 12, you know. It's like, what? What? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I, I just want to pray for you, and I want to pray that God would help you to understand wherever you are in your life, wherever you are in your faith, wherever you are in, 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 in seeking God and seeing from the perspective. See, we're all in seasons of life this morning, and we're all in the place this morning where that many of us might, because of the season of life or whatever it may be, we, we, we might feel that fear, that paralyzing effect. But, but I believe that God is going to energize us this morning. So I pray today, oh God, mm, Heavenly Father, 
Lord, touch our eyes and remove the spiritual blindness that we may see the way you see things, that we may have the faith that you want us to have that's going to move us to our destiny. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, now let's look at the text this morning in Romans 1.17. And uh, it's in your notes there. And it says the gospel. And what the gospel is is the old English word good news. Okay, it's good news. The gospel, the good news, shows us how God makes people right with himself. That is, it begins... And it ends in faith. Everybody say faith. Wow, that's how, that's how we get right with God. So the scripture says, those who are right with God, they live by trusting God. As the scripture says, the just shall live by faith. And as we're living by faith, there's so many rewards and promises in that. Matter of fact, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible, help me out, To please God. How many of you want to please God? Well, you have to have faith if you want to please God. That's what the scripture says. I'm just, I'm the messenger. I'm not the message. I'm the messenger this morning. And it says it's impossible to please God without faith because anyone who comes to God, first of all, they must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. A rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So as we're seeking God, there's rewards, there's benefits, there's blessings that come as we're seeking God and and believing God. Oh, hallelujah. Did you know that God wants to reward you for earnestly seeking him? Now, if the way we connect with God is by faith, and and if without faith it is impossible to please God, and if it's by faith that we are rewarded, I would believe that faith would be important. What about you? I would, be, I would believe that faith is like a diamond. I would be, believe that faith is very, very important to us, and we need to know as much about it as we possibly can. So with that in mind, in your notes, number one, write this down. Faith is seen from God's point of view. Faith is seen from God's point of view, okay? So to better understand What it is, let's begin by saying what it's not. Faith is not a desire. Now, you might say, no, wait a minute. I thought faith was a desire. Faith is not a desire. You can wish for something. You can hope for something. You can pray for something. You can earnestly desire and crave something. But that doesn't mean that it's faith. Faith is not desire. Now, desire may lead to faith, but desire isn't faith. I want you to hear that. Can I get a witness this morning? Are you tracking with me today? For instance, your desire may be to get a to 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 receive something from God, or maybe believe in God for a, a new house, or and, and, and making a way to get that, or a new vehicle, whatever it is, the things that you may need. But until one acts in faith, nothing never materializes. Okay, until faith happens. So faith and desire are not the same, they're different. Now, faith is not pretending that something is true when it's not. You say, what do you mean by that? Let me give you an illustration. You know, I could say this morning, a good illustration, I could say this morning, I believe that this podium is metal. I believe it's metal. 
I can believe to the, to, to the cows come home. Come on, somebody. But, but it's not metal, it's plastic. Come on, somebody. It's not metal. So, you know, what do we base what we believe on? We got to base what we believe on what the word of God says. And when it uh, lines up with God's word, then it's true. Come on, somebody. You know, that, that's what faith is, and, and, and that's what we have to do. So faith is not sacking ourselves up. Faith is not pretending that something is not true. Uh, you, you know, so, so you're not come, you know, conning yourself by believing something that's not. So, you know, this is plastic. You know, I don't believe all I want to, but it's never going to change. It's, this is a plastic podium, okay, of some sort. But one of the things I know, it's not metal. Come on, somebody. Now, here's another one. I might, somebody might fall off the train this morning as I'm saying this, but faith is not a feeling. Oh, I got this feeling. Well, that feeling might fool you because faith is not a feeling. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's, not, it's okay to feel God. It's okay to feel good about something, especially if you're praying. I mean, there, there's, some, there's something to that. But let me tell you something. If you are led by your feelings, many times you're going to have a derailment along the way. Don't shout me down this morning. In fact, feelings often get in the way of faith because you feel a certain way and you want... You want to go that way, and, 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 you, and you have, you know, do you have faith or not, okay? Feelings are not what you tend to rely on instead of your faith. Faith says, I'm going to move ahead in spite of my feelings. There's times I don't feel, how many of you know there's times you don't feel like getting out of bed in the morning, but you do? You don't feel like facing the day, but you do. See, see, your feelings can fool us. Faith is not bargaining with God. It's not to say, God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. And how many of you would agree that God's not a gambler? Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do that. And, and you make a bribe or you make a bargain with God. That's not faith. And we're going to look at what faith is. Again, faith is a way of looking at the world from God's point of view. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, what is faith? What is faith? And it defines it. Faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. Not might, not hopefully, but what we hope for is going to happen and to be certain of the things that we do not see. Underline that phrase there. We do not see. We do not see. Everybody say, we do not see. I want you to see the connection of things we do not see, but looking from God's perspective and God's point of view. Faith is being certain of things that we do not see. It has to do with your vision. The Bible says faith is a way of seeing. Now, now, would you agree that there's always more than one way of looking at something? And there's been those times, we've seen those little pictures, we've talked about that before. You know, you look at it and say, do you see the young woman and the old woman in the picture? And I'm sitting there thinking, huh? I barely can see the picture. But you look a little closer, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I see an old woman and a young woman in the same picture. How many of you ever seen that? Me, some of you looked at me like. 
It is not how you see it, not even how I see it, but it's the way God sees it. So faith is learning to see things from God's view and God's vision. Now, here's a scripture. We sing the song this morning, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, where that song was taken from is the master verse, and and, and this is what it says. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light so that you may see. Now, there's other translations that maybe say that a little bit differently, okay? Now, we sing that song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. What does that mean? I don't have eyes in my heart. Come on, somebody. What what does that mean? I have eyes in my heart? I have eyes in my heart? I mean, you know, think about that. What is he saying? You know, the song and the verse in the Bible there is talking about there's an unseen world and an unseen realm that's more real than the seen realm, if you believe that, say amen. Mm. For instance, we can see this podium here, and it's got writing on it. We can see it. it we can see that, although it's almost transparent. I mean, it's, it's clear, but you can still see it. How many of you can see it? Maybe you have to put your glasses on, but you still see it. But you cannot see the Holy Spirit that's in this place this morning. He's here today. God's in the place this morning. Come on, somebody. I said God's in the house today. You can't see the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we know is the Holy Spirit is more real than this podium today. Somebody say amen. Matter of fact, this podium is temporal, and one day it's just going to, you know, whatever, uh, you know, fade away, maybe burn up or whatever it may be. But let me tell you something. God is eternal. Mm. The Bible says that everything you see is temporal, your hair. Thank God I'll have a new head of hair someday. And maybe those of you that's been wanting an athletic body and you don't have one, well, when we get to heaven, maybe we'll have one. Come on, somebody. (laughs) There's a lot of things that are temporal. Anything you see is temporal. It's not going to last. The things that last are actually, here's the word, here's the word, here's the word, unseen. I used to sing a song, there is an unseen world, you know, the unseen hand watching over me, you know. Mm, Think about it. The Bible has many examples of what I call seeing with your spiritual eyes and seeing with the eyes of your heart. And actually what we're saying is you're seeing from God's point of view. Now, a couple of good stories that just illustrates this. Make them short. But the first one would be Hagar in Genesis 21 and her son Ishmael, who, who had been cast out by Abraham and become, because of jealousy of Sarah, they were sent into the desert, and, and there in the desert there was no water. So she's going to die, and Hagar, she calls upon God in the middle of the desert, and, and she says, Lord, Don't let me watch my child die. And all of a sudden it says that God opened her eyes. Now, I don't believe it was that she couldn't see physically. I believe that she, you know, God gave her a different perspective here. And she saw a well of water in the middle of the desert and they lived. Come on, somebody. She saw, she saw a well of water in the middle of the desert. 
But God had to open her eyes for her to see that. How many of you have been looking for something, your keys or whatever it may be, and you've looked and looked, you don't know where in the world you're at, and then it dawned on you, you prayed about it. You said, God, help me to find my, and then it's just right in front of you. I think one time my wife done that. She's looking for, look all over the place, and there's on her head. You know, she had them up here. Don't tell her I said that. Second Kings chapter 6, Elisha, Gehazi, had a, an enemy army coming against them. The Jews and the Jewish nation was getting ready to be wiped out. Gehazi, who was Elijah's servant, you know, he got uptight. He got pretty frightened. He got very upset. And he's having a panic attack. And, and Elijah says to Gehazi, Gehazi, I don't want you to be upset. And he prays to the Lord, Lord, open his eyes of my servant that he may see what I'm seeing. Wow. All of a sudden, Gehazi's spiritual vision was open. And he says he could see a realm of angels circling the city of Jerusalem. Come on, somebody. How many of you know they were there all along, but until God opened his eyes, he did not see it? Somebody say amen. Amen. So God opened his spiritual eyes, and, and he wasn't afraid anymore. See, fear has a paralyzing effect, but faith energizes. And we're going to show you what happens when we see with the eyes you know, of fear and when we see with the eyes of faith, and they both have a, an effect upon our lives. We need to see through the eyes of faith, okay? So number two, write this down. We exaggerate our difficulties when we see through the eyes of fear. Now, here's an amazing thing. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, if you've read that, I I hope you've read it recently. I mean, it's just an amazing story. God has just delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, one of the greatest nations on the face of the earth at that time, the most powerful nation. And they had just defeated Pharaoh and his army and just wiped Pharaoh's army out. They've come and... And all kinds of good things have happened, but now they're worried about a local tribe. How quickly we forget. How quickly they forgot about the miracles of God taking care of Pharaoh's army. And when you look at your problem with the eyes of fear, how many of you would agree that many times they get bigger? They get bigger. They get bigger. They get bigger. You ever have a magnifying glass or binoculars and you you look at something, it's like, whoa. It almost comes right up to you, you know, because you're, you're looking at it and, 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 it, and it's amplifying that. And that's what happens. The more you look at your problem, the more exaggerated it gets. And somebody criticized you maybe many years ago or, or maybe just recently somebody may have criticized you and now you're thinking the whole world's being critical of you. Because fear begins to get in and play havoc, and it grows in proportion. I said it grows in proportion, and that's what fear happens, and fear has that paralyzing effect. So Numbers 13, 27, and 28, here's was a negative report that come to the children of Israel. Mmm, wow. Mmm. And here's the report. Here was the report. It's a magnificent land. This is a 10 spice, okay? It's a magnificent land, said the negative spice. But, and right there they needed to get their butts to the altar. Come on, somebody. It's a magnificent land, but the people living there are powerful. And the cities are fortified. And the cities are large. And what we saw were Anakin there, the big giants. Oh, they were big. Those giants were so big. They were big as mountains. And the next verse in in Numbers 13, 
31, the 10 spies said, they will crush us. They will crush us. So the majority report of the spies was negative. And I want to point out to something to you this morning. The majority report is always, always negative. Anybody who's going to get something done for God and in the things of God, you cannot listen to the majority. Many times you have to listen to what God is saying because sometimes those things that you see are different from what everybody else is seeing at the time. They said, we see people and they'll crush us. The world, they're actually, the word they're actually in the Hebrew is akai, which means to eat us up. They'll devour us. They'll eat us up. They're bullies. They're tyrants. Uh, you know, they're going to uh, just crush us. And only two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they have faith and they pull out of the ranks of the, of the other, the 12, they pull out of the ranks of the 10 and they begin to give a different report. Joshua and Caleb, people always trust the minorities. Do you believe that? No, no, no. People don't trust the minorities. They don't trust just a couple people saying something. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. They were listening to the 10. There's always, trust, they trust the majority report. Why? Because they're fearful and fretful of, of things there. And, 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 and let me tell you something. Negativity is something that is contagious. And, and sometimes people are caught up in the negative things. They get caught up in that. That's the reason we need to have a prayer life. Somebody say amen. amen. That's the reason we need to be seeking God. That's the reason you need to have a, a daily time that you are actually in the presence of God. You have a devotion. Why? Because this world system doesn't see things the way God does. It was only when the 10 come back and said, we can't do it, that everybody changed their mind and they began to infect a negative attitude. And then the whole, it ran through the camp and everyone became negative. Now, now listen to this. Ironically, 38 years had passed. Now, they said the place is filled with giants. We can't take it. They're too big for us. But 38, and, and, and they also said, uh, they're too big for us and they're too powerful. And oh, I mean, I mean, this fearful. Oh, my goodness. No, we can't do that. Listen to this. Ironically, 38 years had passed. There was another generation that rose up and, and did get to go into the promised land. And you know what the enemy had said 38 years before? Their enemies had said 38 years ago, we have lived in panic for 40 years because we heard of the 10 plagues of Egypt. We heard about what your God had, and we were shaking in our boots. And you know what? All they had to do was just trust God and go over, and everybody was going to drop their weapons and just throw their hands up. Come on, somebody. Because they were fearful. But you know what? They were listening not to God. They were listening not to the, uh, to the Lord, but they were listening to negative reports. We heard what your God had done. Oh, they needlessly walked around in the wilderness for 40 years. And many times, that's exactly what's happening in our lives. We're on a, a, you know, on a carousel. We're just going around and around and around, and we're really getting nowhere because we're letting fear drive us. We exaggerate our difficulties. If you believe that, say amen. We see through the eyes of fear. Number three, we underestimate our abilities. We underestimate our abilities. We exaggerate our problems. We underestimate our abilities. Look at, you know, Numbers 33, 13. I think I have that in your notes. I want you to see that. We seemed like grasshoppers 
in our eyes. I want you to notice that word eyes there. We're talking about seeing through the eyes of faith. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Now, now you talk about low self-esteem. What were they saying? <laughs> oh, we're just bugs. We're just insects. They're going to eat us for lunch. We can't do that. Notice what they say. We saw ourselves like grasshoppers in our own eyes. That's their own self-image. And it says, you know, and we look the same to them. Now, how, what I want to know is how did they know that they looked like, that, that their enemies thought the same thing? They didn't. Their enemies didn't think that. They just got this, you know, and they're thinking, how many of you know, you, you know, let me tell you something. Things, oh, we under, uh, and underestimate our abilities, and sometimes we make the problem more, a lot more bigger than what it really is. Somebody say amen. And that's what's happening here. There's a word for this, projection. They just begin to project things. We tend to project your fears on everybody else around you, and that's what they're, they're doing here. They're projecting their fears. Their, their fears is going out. Folks, I'll tell you what. You get around someone that has faith in their life, and that faith, there's something about that is energizing. There's something about that is it, something that people are drawn to. So if you're a, a man or a woman of God and you have faith in your life, people are drawn to you. But if you have fear in your life, let me say this, they're also drawn to you. They're drawn to you in a negative connotation instead of a positive connotation. If you believe that, say amen. amen. I hope this soaks in this morning. You tend to project your fears on everybody else around you. You see, they've been slaves for 400 years, and they've been freed for 40, but they're, they're still mentally enslaved, and the condition is they still see themselves as helpless. They have the grasshopper complex. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what a grasshopper is. They just look at themselves like a grasshopper. I'm just a grasshopper. Look at that. They're enslaved, you know, they're enslaved, not by Pharaoh now, but by an idea, by an image, by something that's not even there. I mean, many times we do the same thing. You know, we're enslaved by something that's not even there, you know, and what we need to do, we need to rise above that. Somebody say amen. Why is it important for us to grab hold of this? What are the benefits of this story? Because many years ago, people said things about you and to you and behind your back, and you overheard that, and they were not true, but you believed it. And it had an effect upon your life. And maybe it's still having an effect upon your life, even today. Now, they're not even in your life anymore, but some of them are even dead, and you're still believing their lives or something that was said, or something that was done. Let me tell you something. What you need to do this morning is put that under your feet, hallelujah, and step on that. Come on, somebody, and rise above that. Somebody say amen. You're still enslaved to their image. You had someone, maybe a parent, maybe a partner, maybe a friend, maybe a brother, maybe a sister who said, you're so uncoordinated. And you know what? You begin to think that you were uncoordinated. Are you never going to amount to anything the results? You think you're never going to amount to anything. Maybe they said your marriage won't work and you let that 
get inside of you. And folks, I had people say that to me, you know, my wife and I, you know, we've been married for 47 years, going on 48. I don't think, you know, and here's what they said. They said, you guys will never make it. Well, let me just say something. I think we will. (laughs) Going on 48, I think we will. But Todd, they said we won't. You'll never make it. I had family members say that. Slap them in the face. Come on, somebody. Wake up. You know, you're telling some young person they're not going to make it? You know, some people, I tell you what, they need to slap on the head because there's something not working right in there. They need to be reset or something. You know, we reset computers when they're not working right. Sometimes, you know, I, you, know you need to reset something in there because that's not working right. I know I'm being facetious. You're not in Egypt anymore. Come on, somebody. I said you're not in Egypt anymore. You're not enslaved by Pharaoh anymore. Mm. Anybody see the movie Shawshank Redemption? Let me see your hand. Be honest. I mean, look at it. About about here. I get get these names mixed up, but um, I remember that couple of the guys when you, you saw them get out of prison and they go to work somewhere. And in the one scene there, he said, uh, hey, hey, boss, I got I to gotta take a break. He said, man, don't say that. <laughs> it's almost like he'd been in prison all of his life. He, he didn't know. I mean, he felt like he had to go tell the boss, you know, because this is in his mindset. He's thinking, you know, I, I, I got to tell the boss, I, you know, you need to go to the restroom. Just go to the restroom. Right. You got to go. You got to go. Come on. You know, you, know, you don't need permission. You don't want to take it off here, boss. Put it on here, boss. <laughs> You're not in prison anymore. See, some people, they, 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 they're, they're, they're still enslaved in their minds, but they've been freed. Who the Son sets free. Come on, somebody. That's free indeed. We've been freed from some of the past and negativity and all those things that people have said. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. You've been set free. Now, I want to say so much more. And as a speaker and as a pastor, for many, many, many years. I know that sometimes you have to put a comma on things. And you just have to pick it up next week, and that's what we're going to do. Because I can't finish all this. I have so much to say. <laughs> when you got too much to say. What did you say, uh, Dennis? It, you know, it goes into a series then. After you, you know, if it goes to the next week, it goes. <laughs> so we're, we're going to pick this up because there's some other things. So. I want Dee and the worship team to come back, if you would. And uh, they're going to sing that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. And this morning, I want you to open the eyes of your heart. That you may see things the way God sees things. We're not finished this morning. We've got some other things we're going to do, too. We've got, matter of fact, some important things we're going to do. So, but I want you to hang with me for a little bit here. So would you just bow your heads, first of all, would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Lord, I thank you that you are a God that rewards our faith. Help us to see with eyes of faith everything that you're doing for us. Help us, Lord, not to focus on our problems, on what others have said about us, which has a paralyzing effect. But, Lord, help us. What to concentrate and focus on what you're saying about us.
what your word says about us. And Lord, open the eyes of our heart, open our spiritual eyes that we may see that you want us to see this morning. 